Hello and welcome to Fireside Chat number 55. This time we're going to be talking about uh, the challenges of you know, agreeing in teams. Uh, for those of you that are new, uh, I'm Jose, I'm in the company of Mash and Sandro, both co-founders of uh, Cadurance and Managing Director for Cadurance Spain. And uh, at some point we decided, we used to have these chats uh, all the time after work. And uh, we decided at some point, hey, why don't we start recording, maybe streaming that some of the things that we talked about are, could be interesting for other people. And it turns out that, yes. <laughs> so uh, if you like what you will see today, just like, subscribe, uh, hit the notification so you get uh, when we stream and propose topics. And join us in the chat as well, because a, a big part of what makes this great is uh, the interaction no? and, and the questions that a lot of people ask, which help enrich the conversation. So to jump into today's topic, uh, team agreements, right? Like we all, you know, teams are one of those things that are essential to software development. And, and I would say any kind of enterprise, right? Uh, it's, uh, if you want to do something normally, you would need uh, a bunch of people to collaborate, no, and, and to agree, but that's not, always easy, right? Uh, because one of the things that makes that collaboration effective is people agreeing, agreeing on many things, no? agreeing on what goal they're trying to accomplish, agreeing on how they want to get there and, and all of these things. And um, this is one of those things that they don't teach you at university when you're, <laughs> no, or they don't teach you in a boot camp or, or whatever, right? You kind of learn by doing or, or by failing, I would say, no, uh, to, to reach agreement. So, yeah, we decided to, to dip uh, our toes into it, share some of the experiences. Maybe we can start, um, you know, at the beginning. No, what type of team agreements or what kind of things we're, we're talking about when we're saying, you know, getting the team to agree or, or to perform no? uh, around those rules? Who wants to start? Uh, I can start. <clears throat> the definition. No, I'm, I'm, definition. Not gonna, I'm not going to start with the definition <laughs> this time, just to spite you, Jose. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with uh, saying that personally, it's astonishing how late I learned about this or its importance, right? Uh, up until quite late in my career, all the teams that I've been involved in there were no real explicit team agreements. And now that I look back on those, I, you know, so many dysfunctions could have been avoided if certain expectations and agreements were carefully set in the first place, right? Yeah. Uh, so my personal view is that they are an extremely important part for any team. And if you don't have explicit team agreements, in your team, then you're in the same boat that I am. And at some point, you're going to kick yourself that why have you never done that before? Yeah, so so agreements are always there, right? So as, as you mentioned, Mesh, there are the explicit agreements. But even when you don't have them explicit, I'm sure that you have implicit. and and But you might not have enough agreements. And that is where you create a lot of... Uh, 
well disputes or, or, or people are become they become a bit I, I don't know if you, if you have it implicit it's more like you have some expectations that that agreement yeah. is in place no uh, individually but since it hasn't well, been made exactly because that that's what i mean because sometimes you like the problem with implicit agreements is it's not really an agreement it's an expectation and then mm -hmm. on top of that it's one of the things that causes problems because it can be quite different to the other person who thinks what the implicit agreement is. And and often that's where the problems come. That's where the feeling of being unfairly treated or someone not playing the, you know, part of the team, all those feelings would arise from, right? Yeah, no, I think you you, you both have a point. Like, because like, I think that you, you put that in a, in a better way because it's not that you have implicit agreements, you have expectations. I, I, I take the point. I think it's a very good uh, point. But there are expectations, let's put it this way. So mm -hmm. if you don't have ex explicit agreements, you have at least expectations. The problem is that the expectations from the different people in the team might differ, and that's where the problems uh, start. And there mm -hmm. are different types of agreements as well, because there are agreements where there are part of the, within a team, so imagine like a development team. So a development team is normally composed by uh, people with different skill sets uh, and different roles as well. You, let's say a traditional team might have like a few developers. The developers themselves, they might vary in seniority levels and uh, skills and knowledge of the business and so on. Even time in the company is a factor. Uh, then you have other roles. We might have like a QA, you might have a business analyst, you might have a product owner, you might have a user experience, you might have like uh, all those different types of roles that might compose a team. So, so there are agreements across the team, which already makes it difficult, even with people with the same kind of like, for example, you have more than one developer or more than one business analyst. For example, even people with the same roles, let's say, already struggle sometimes to to collaborate, get that gets a bit even more complicated across different roles. And then there are agreements across teams because different teams, they also need to have agreements uh, with other teams that coexist in the same ecosystem. And there are agreements with the business themselves, right? So whoever the stakeholders might be so that the team might also need to have some uh, agreements. So those are just like, very quickly, what came to my mind when, when you think, about, okay, what are the kind of agreements? What, where are, where do we see problems? Let's say. Yeah, no, it's. I think a big part of the thing is not making those expectations explicit, right? Like a lot of people think uh, that teams that work well are uh, are kind of like magic. No, there's some secret sauce, some, you know, like the, the planets align and that's why they're so good or whatever. But a lot of it is, you know, preparation and, and intention behind a, a bunch of things, right? The, the problem is, what are those things? And I feel that alignment, that in, I would even say initial alignment, although you can do this at any point, uh, you know, during the lifetime of a, of a team, right? Like, so if you don't, if you haven't had that conversation about agreeing on stuff and how to work, uh, maybe you can have it now, right? It's it's never too late, but uh, but it comes from that, not from not making those expectations clear, and then uh, as the team has to deal with with stuff both internally and externally, 
things start to erode, right? Because those expectations are not being met, and then people don't feel, you know, they're, they're being valued or whatever, right? And uh, and it comes uh, eventually, you know, things explode uh, and and explode. Yeah. And, and <clears throat> I mean, you know, we can we can maybe start talking about. Uh, we talked about different types, but we can start talking about actual agreements. Some of the more obvious ones that we think are always um, uh, are, are implicit, and you know, if other people don't adhere to them, you kind of get a bit peeved. And but how you kind of enforce them as well is something we can talk about later. But one, for example, agreement that's always bandied about a bit is, you know, that there is. You know, a lot of teams use daily stand-ups and you should always be there for the daily stand-up, right? Or be there on time. You know, they can be as, or I wouldn't call it trivial, but as simple as these, right? That you must attend the daily stand-up meeting and you must be there on time, right? But that's not always, you know, some people can turn up, up a bit late, Right. And then if you say to them, well, one thing is, you know, don't come to meetings late, but, you know, what if they're five minutes late or what if they're 10 minutes late, you know, just a bit late. So what is a bit late and what is very late, you know? So, 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 so then, like, for example, let's, let's uh, try to, because there is an element here of not uh, complying to agreements, right? But mm -hmm. let, let's, like, let's think about, before we talk about not complying to agreements, who should be defining those agreements? Because I think that, that uh, one thing that I believe that hopefully people will agree that like we need some sort of agreements, right? A set of agreements that allows us to collaborate in, in, a, in, a, in a healthy way, let's say, right? So there is something that when someone is not complying, we can go back to and say, hey, look, we discussed this. That's the agreement that we made and so on. So, so... How, how, who should be defining? Is it like a democratic process where everyone has the same saying? Is it triggered by a specific person because of position? So how do you see that happening? Oh, well, the manager, of course. Isn't that the manager's job? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, I, I, I actually think that one, yes, I, it needs to be democratic in the sense that everyone, for it to work, Everyone needs to buy into it, yeah. It like it's it's like everything. No, you can write down all the rules you want. People are not gonna follow them if they don't think that they need to follow them. Yeah. So that for me, that aspect needs to be there. Whether that happens because of fear, yeah, <laughs> or it happens, uh, you know, uh, with, with some other type of influence, no, just because people, you know, believe in what they're saying. That's a, that's a different story, right? We can. Let, let, me just, just, let me just speak on one of the words that you use for that. Like, uh, I just want to clarify what you meant, basically, because you mentioned that it should be democratic. But like, uh, my definition of that is that everyone has equal voting power. If we are using the word democratic, another mm -hmm. thing is different in saying like everyone should have a saying, but that doesn't mean that everyone has the each person has the same weight in the decision that is made? Because those are, for me, very different. I, I, I personally think that it should not be, it's not a, a vote thing, it should be a complete agreement. Yeah. 
so that, it's that's not what like... I that's what I think as well. Yeah. yeah? yeah. So so <clears throat> one thing is the details. Yeah. Uh, but even even that the 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 underlying uh, assumption is that even if someone has the responsibility or the knowledge to say what the details are going to look like, yeah, uh, people still, you know, agree with the general idea of what, what goes in there, right? So let's say, like, if you, um, I don't know, if you're defining that we're going to have the finishing of done or the finishing of ready and then what needs to be in there, I don't, maybe I've never done that. Maybe I don't know what needs to go in there. Maybe I'm being too, whatever, right? But I do agree with the idea that we need some sort of, definition of done or definition of ready, you know, and that I'm okay with committing to, to that kind of behavior. No, whatever we agree, I'm going to support. Yeah, I'm going to do. So that aspect, and if I don't support it, yeah, I feel uh, that it's a healthy team's uh, response, yeah, for people to say, yeah, I don't support this because of this, this, and this, and then you resolve whatever disagreement uh, is, in, is in place, either by removing the thing altogether because we can't agree, yeah, or by getting into a place where people can agree and support it, yeah. But if you just, uh, you know, brush it under the rug, you're still going to have the disagreement. You you went through the through the motions of the exercise of writing things down and all this stuff, but you didn't get the important part, which is people to commit to changing, uh, you know, the, to to uh, follow those behaviors. And I think that's more important. People committing to doing the behavior is more important than what you have in there because that already gives it power no it's a tool that is for the team mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. so so but th there is a thing that i think mesh mentioned uh a while back uh as we were discussing a similar topic and, and he mentioned like about uh principles and values right so so i was just thinking about for example not always uh we will agree so, for example, you mentioned, Jose, like that people need, it's important that people participate and try to reach a consensus. But there will be things that people might diverge, yeah? And they say, look, I don't think we should do, I don't know, just making stuff up, yeah? Uh, Test-driven development or pairing or demos every two weeks or whatever that might be, yeah? So one person might say, look, I don't think we should do that because it's a waste of time or whatever the, that person might think, yeah? So how a team would deal when it seems that some people cannot reach an agreement? So, so and I'm trying to make a reference to principles. Should we, is there like a, a set of principles and values, for example? Is it worth defining something at a higher level that serves as a, as a guidance? Yeah. Uh, so, so one of the first things that they teach you, I did the ORSC uh, training, is organizational relationship uh, coach, systemic coaching, yeah. And uh, one of the first things that they teach you is coaching for you know groups, teams, you know systems in general, anything that involves uh, people, right? One of the first things that they tell you about is you need to create that agreement within you know what are the rules for the system because that is what allows you to work everything else right like it gives you kind of like an anchor point so that when things go wrong yeah you can always go back to that and say hey you remember is this what we said that we wanted to do in the beginning etc and then you kind of bring back the to his center no you kind of give it some stability back again right 
And it's the same, uh, you know, it's not only for the team, it's also the relationship with the coach or with whoever is, you know, interacting with that system. And I feel like that is that is essential, right? Like, and, and the thing is, we could, as long as we are aligned in, uh, in the values, knowing how we want that relationship to be as a team or whatever, right? The details we can always talk about. Right. We can always find some sort of strategy to like you, you set an example. No, like, I don't want to do TDD because I don't know how to do it. Let's, let's, I don't know how to do it. Okay. And people can say, OK, so you don't have to do TDD. We're going to help you. Yeah, we're going to train you, et cetera, et cetera. And until you get there, right, uh, we will be supporting you or whatever. But you don't have to feel like you. As long, for us, it's good enough that you uh, understand that quality is important and that you want to improve your skill set to, to get there. And we will support that. So that is a. That is a strategy, no? That will be very valid, right? In, in, but you in, can only get there if that person actually in, in, agrees in, in, fact, in the foundation, no? From in in fact, if you if you look at XP, XP talks about setting the, the this framework in place right at the very start and evolving it as you go along. So that's why, if you look at, for example, I remember XP explained by Ken Peck, and even in there, they talk about these are the base set of values, and then there are some principles and practices, right? Values are what you what you all have to agree on, and you can choose values. You can add more and remove them, whichever, whatever set is important to you. Those values inform principles, and those principles inform practices. So, for example, if you look at one of the XP values, is feedback, right? Now, incremental change is one of his principles that actually supports the value of feedback. TDD is part, could be described as part of the, the kind of the, the incremental change. Pardon? The practice that complies to the principle and then the value. Yeah, exactly. So the way he actually described it is that principles almost break the gap between values and practices. So that principles are, are a bit more closer aligned to to the so they they can help you understand kind of work your way back to the value basically and so just and just for me to, to so map again so the the value here was feedback yeah the practice was tdd and what was the principle the principle in the middle so one of the principle in the middle is incremental change right right uh, or fast feedback is another so feedback is a value but fast feedback is a principle so yeah. so they kind of as soon as as you can see principles then can you can reason about the practices quite easily with principles. But what he talks about, I mean, these are just the basis of your team agreements. They are, these are, and that's why he, he basically, that's why he wrote all about this is that, you know, giving you a base, this is what you evolve from. It's not the thing, if you don't have something, take these and then evolve from it. Because someone mentioned, I think it was Emmanuel. So for me, really, that should evolve in the team since each team has different situations and we should adopt. Yes, but you need to have something to start with. So if you don't have anything, like doing a, this huge kind of uh, brain uh, storming session and so on, or what values and so on, it, it's, you know, people have done a lot of thinking around how teams should work well. And there are a good base set of values and principles that you can then evolve from. You don't have to start from scratch. Yeah, the, the, uh, Mark Gray also mentioned uh, on, on LinkedIn uh, saying that there is the, the disagree and commit way. Which So I, I've been thinking a lot about the disagree and commit, Mark, and I also use that internally 
But there is a, the disagreeing committees is, is a bit more complicated. Uh, for example, in order for me, or I'll, I'll talk for me, right? Because it's easier for me to think about how I, I would react. Uh, in my day-to-day -day job, like I, I need to, to disagree and commit often, right? But as but it's easier to disagree and commit when I'm disagreeing with the practice, uh, but not the principle and value. So for example, if I'm in agreement with the value and the principle, I oh, it's easier for me to disagree and commit to a practice because I know that maybe a slightly different practice that is still aligned to the principle and value. It's easier for me to, to, to disagree. So look, you know what? If I was doing that, I would do that in a different way. However, this is, I recognize as a valid, valid way, it's just not my preferred one uh, for X, Y, and Z reasons. But I still can see that we are moving the right direction. So, so that disagreement and disagreeing commit would, is easier if it's at the practice level but very difficult if it's at the value or even principle level. Yeah, I, I think that's a very good distinction, right? It's, to me, disagree and commit is actually where a, uh, a good debate has failed to reach conclusion, right? Mm -hmm. So what you're saying is let's cut off the debate here. It's probably we need not to worth, do something. We, we need to do something. We just need to make a decision. So let's make yeah. this let's decision. Let's try this. You know, and let's try, try it out. Yeah. And, it's so yeah. approach practice that level is I, I totally agree. That's where where you would. would I, there happen. there is another usage of the disagree and commit thing, which is a kind of like not taking ownership uh, for for things, right? There, there's two. Uh, I mean, it it can also be seen as a dysfunction eh? because um, I can use that as a shield for not taking ownership. Yeah. So if you really, you know, the, I I disagree. But I don't do the commit part. The the commit part. However, I am saying that that I disagree and commit, right? Like so. This is this is the kind of uh, dysfunction there, right? Like, yeah, I'm always saying, kind of holding the I told you so afterwards. Like no, I told you this is gonna fail, whatever, right? Or or not even doing you know what you're supposed to be doing, no, and ex and just expecting, you know, I'm not gonna move a finger uh, to do this, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a that's a problem, right? Like I would much rather you to tell me that. You're not gonna do it, so that I can deal with that situation, yeah, um, and that's it. Then to erode the relationship further by not doing the thing, and then you know have, having to come back to. But I, I think that's basically you're not really applying the disagree and commit kind of no practice. Right? It's, not doing it's okay. It's okay, but it's very. It's it's often. Uh, then it, then it, what it you're doing is often, yeah. Then you're doing is well disagree and sulk. That, that, that's what <laughs> yeah, they, they disagree and so yeah no, no that's that's true and then the other thing is uh, again I, they're not taking ownership aspect right like the the okay so this this was not my decision this is your decision right yeah. I told you that I didn't want to do that this was not the right thing but you still yeah. made the decision and we move forward with that which is also kind of a uh, a similar, yeah. you know, uh, a similar attitude. No? You know, another thing about values and principles is that you that allows you to not have fine-grained um, agreements, right? Because uh, if you have, so for example, let's take. Oh, you must come to the to the stand-up on time. Yeah, that thing. 
Now, you know, if you were going that to that granular level in being explicit about your agreements, then there are so many agreements that you have to put in place, right? But even that, so for example, if I look at the value of respect, yeah, you would, you could describe it from that point of view that, you know, if people, if you, someone is coming in late and other people are having to wait into meeting, you know, they don't prescribe, they're not respecting their teammates, right? So you can always go back to that value and say, well, is this person, you know, living that value uh, or the, not? And, the, and that actually helps you in a way not to have too many fine grain agreements, but rather a bit more kind of conceptual agreements. To your, to your uh, point before around, you know, would it be best to kind of agree at a higher level and then, you know, use that and so on? This is precisely it. And, it, and it's not so much uh, what you end up writing, it's the shared understanding and the conversations that you have around that. Because when you put something like respect, transparency, uh, you know, collaboration, empathy, and so on, yeah. No one would disagree with that. No, no one, yeah, because everyone is giving them, uh, giving those words their own meaning, right? Yeah. Those are just labels that people attach meaning to, right? Yeah. Now, when you start looking at it, no, and say, oh, but respect, what does respect mean for you? Like, how would I know? This is a question that, like, how would I know, yeah, that we have respect in the team or that I'm or, being or, or, or you or have like I... conflicting, or you have conflicting things, like, for example, oh, you, uh, I was late for the meeting. So you feel that I disrespected you because I was late and you waste your time, but you didn't respect me because I have something else and stuff. You know, like that is yeah, that, yeah. that side yeah, of yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. so that uh, kind of conversation around alignment of what the words mean, yeah, mm -hmm. uh, is is very valuable. And this is also why you need to constantly be reviewing this stuff, right? Like when you when you the the fact that people agree on it, yeah, and then you can go back to it and okay, so maybe we need to change this. Maybe we need to define a bit better what we meant by because we saw this situation that did not completely fit to what uh, so. And now we get a better understanding and so on. And it also serves as a point where, you know, if someone else, before you were talking about how many, how much time people have been in the company or in the team and so on, right? So if someone else comes in, then you already have a set of things that you need to discuss with them, right? Mm -hmm. And make sure that they're on board and, you know, like have trigger again that conversation, though, so that you you have that stability that oh, that's at the point it, otherwise it, even to even to the point where values and principles should be part of your vocabulary when you are having discussions right whether you it's a design discussion is a technical discussion or it's a team work type discussion that it's actually important to uh, take those whatever you're deciding the decisions or those conversations back to certain values and principles, because that that helps strengthen. Because if you don't discuss these things, if, you, if they're not part of your vocabulary, if they're not creating the framework for your discussions, they are then just something you've written down on a conference page or on a wall somewhere. Mm -hmm. So they, so it's not just about having those, explicitly having those discussions just about values or like, let's talk about values or principles, but should be about, okay, we, we are, we are going to, do this, we're going to do this thing this way because, because we value fast feedback or we value feedback. And because of that, we're going to, you know, so you start kind of bringing this as part of your vocabulary to kind of help strengthen that within the team culture as well, I think.
Yeah, so so there are there is a question from uh, Emmanuel. So the question is like, so when when would you define the agreements that are the values and principles before the team has been created, or would it be the first thing when you create the team? Uh, so I think that if you are starting from scratch, that's a good point. Like so, as you are creating this team, like the, the one of the first things that the team should do is is to create those agreements. But the team will, those agreements are not written in stone and the, the, the team configuration will change. Some people will leave that team, others will join that team uh, and the context of that team will change as well. A, a team that is new uh, will evolve. Like they, they are new to a brand new context and, and, and they will learn over time as well. I think that the, you, you should do it as sooner as, sooner rather than later. So as soon as possible, basically. Uh, and when you are onboarding a new team member, it would be good to, present those things to that team member. And, and, and when even like existing members of the team, they want to change the ways that the team is working, they want to introduce a new practice or even like discard an existing practice or change or whatever. Um, when they propose that, they first of all, they should say, like, is it aligned? For example, uh, when, when people say like the, the TDD is always a, a very, uh, some practices are very controversial, right? So TDD or pair programming and things like that. So let's say if people say, I don't want to do TDD anymore. So then the, the, the natural question after that is fine. Awesome. So what do you want to do instead? Because we still want to have some code, some feedback. So, so you shouldn't have a set of uh, principles that could guide you. Say, look, okay, if you don't want to do that, great. But like, what is your proposal? So if you're not going to get that fast feedback from our code, and this might create a problem later down the line that the code will need to be tested in a different way. So what would be your alternative for us not to have rework or to have a faster feedback that is given by TDD. So then all of a sudden, you are not rejecting someone's idea. You are just asking for an alternative. And that is normally a healthier debate, right? TDD might be a bit difficult, for example, to come up with an alternative. Uh, the alternatives are not that great uh, when we compare certain benefits, let's say that TDD gives you. But for example, uh, not doing test at all is a problem. But if you say someone wants to say, I want to do test afterwards, that's an interesting discussion to have because most of the principles will still be satisfied. It doesn't matter if you wrote before or after the code. As long as that those, when the, the person says like, when I'm done, when I say Look, I'm done with my tasks, I have my unit tests running, and they run fast and so on. Is it really a big deal if they did afterwards or not? So for example, I would do first because I feel better doing this way. But let, let's say if we are all working in isolation and the, the end result satisfy our principles and values. And by the way, I don't want to be, I'm not advocating for that because that's not what I would do. Right? But this is a, an interesting conversation you have. Because sometimes you say like, oh, do test, do unit test or not? That's a very clear distinction. But when we are so closer, how do we deal with that? 
we had consultants uh, we had consultants in the chat yeah <laughs> so we're saying so we're saying well i would say that it depends no <laughs> on the it depends on the, <laughs> depends on the I, I i i would take it to one one level even further right mm. how how do you like let's say someone um test drove their code but the tests were rubbish and the code is rubbish and someone wrote no tests and wrote a very nice, simple, elegant piece of code that's very easy to read and in other ways, more maintainable. Of course, it doesn't have tests, so it's less maintainable in that regard. I would split the discussion. I would separate the the quality of what's being produced. And the maintainability, no, and whether we can verify that it still works the way exactly. that we want it so, to work. So the way that I would deal with that, I would, because then you could skew a knowledge the quality of what's produced, mm -hmm. and you can tackle a deficiency, not of the code itself, but what did you create for the team or to the process of releasing that software later on. Mm -hmm. And then you can say, look, okay, so the code looks nice. Yeah, it's well-designed and stuff and works well and stuff. Great. So that you get a, a green tick, you get a, a sticker. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So good job in there. So you don't discuss that. You discuss what is missing. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree that two are almost, yeah. It's, I'm doing that classic thing, you know. Yeah. That yeah, argument, yeah. but it's the like fake, the fake dichotomy. The fake, fake economy, like, you know, oh, why, why are you talking about climate change when people are dying? Exactly. Yeah, you know, right. that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, to the question before, sorry. No, uh, go on, go on. Uh, to, to the question before of when uh, it's a good time to do this, right? You, you did some uh, mention of, well, you didn't explicitly mention it, but you were kind of talking about Tucker's model on, you know, storming, norming, you know, forming, mm. storming, norming, blah, blah, blah. Right? Uh, and that's one way that people look at, at that. You know? So every time that you bring someone into the team, you're going back into the forming, storming kind of, no, and then you need norms again, right? Um, there is another theory uh, that's called the, punctuated equilibrium i think it's called uh, which basically talks about when are groups or teams more receptive to to that learning or to changing their behavior and it's usually at the beginning in the middle or at the end <laughs> yeah so, that, so basically pick one of those and by the way it's a, it's in an interval right like for the task that they're doing so if you're doing it in a project let's say right like beginning of the project, middle of the project, end of the project, yeah? But there's nothing saying that if you have sprints or you have whatever, no, like releases or whatever, you can't do it for those as well, right? So so it's kind of, it applies at different levels. Magnitude of the Exactly, the it, it applies at, at different levels, right? So you can just choose, you know, one of those points, yeah? And bring in, uh, bring the conversation uh, in, right? Whether you are launching the team because the, the task is about to start or whatever, or you're already in the middle of the task or you're at the end of the task and you just want to, to do that learning, right? So that's that's also a valid approach. Um, so so, so, so let's go, sorry, go on, go on, Sandro. No, no, uh, so I'll tell you what I wanted to, 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 to say and then you tell me and then we decide where we go, okay. right? So... So what I what I was saying is like uh, TDD is normally a very easy. Is, we discussed that a billion times, but there are other things that are far more challenging, right? Is design or architectural agreements. 
So this is normally quite often I see developers and team leads and architects having a big issue about that. Estimation, right? That, so uh, an estimation is, is an agreement uh, normally between the team and the business, right? So demos. So, so there, there is certain, way, certain things that a team does to their stakeholders, and estimation is one of them, right? So, so then there is a lot of uh, to discuss in there. And, and as I said, like uh, quite often, the people decide architectures, or, or normally those decisions they go across teams and stuff like that. But developers also want to have their freedom to to do their thing locally and stuff. So, so those things are also quite complicated, and and, and the the disagreeing commit or 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 having just principles are not enough in those cases. It, mm. I mean, you cannot just go back to principles and say, well, not always at least, to say, look, okay, I will let some principles guide my design decision because like you agreed on using a specific reference architecture or framework or ways of doing certain things. You cannot just... So the, the, you can actually, because uh, what you just said, I think is... You know, we can probably have a series of fireside chats on the right. different kinds of agreement, right? But but let's take the architectural one. In fact, uh, we did this at one of our clients. Right? Uh, actually, it was me and someone else, Andrew. I think you weren't there. But there are some things. Of course, not everything can be codified as principles. But we were having this exact problem, is that there are many teams and there are certain... Uh, principles that we want them to fa- to to follow architectural principles, right? So uh, we, for example, had things like um, you know a you, you, a module will have a very well um, uh, dis- defined interface, and another module cannot have have dependency on that module without going through the interface because. They were all sharing the same code base, and we had lots of like lots of different. So we were describing at a fairly low. You can go even higher level to something, but in fact, as those teams, we came up with about twelve or thirteen basic principles because there was so much wrong there that we didn't want to make it even worse, right? So we actually started talking about certain certain architectural uh, mistakes that people were making and enshrining them as principles, as agreements, that they would not do that again. Mm. So that that you couldn't make more of those problems, but you could refactor away from them. So there are some things, I think, even at the the design level, I mean, some things you can't, but some things you can actually uh, describe and agree as, as base level principles, even at the architectural and design level, I think. And and again, the conversations are important. Things like yeah. the architectural uh, decision records and you know request for comments and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. What they're looking for, right, is to create that consensus around what you know the approach should be and bring all the perspective together and then make a decision, kind of, right? Yeah, the decision records are a, a, <laughs> an agreement, basically. That you know, an agreement has been made, and this is. And this that, is the decision good, that we made. There you go. It's it's yeah. written down. We can then yeah. later on change it or whatever, right? But that's but the, this is the agreement uh, currently. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. and you can have the conversations around that, right? So mm-hmm. it, it also happens at that level. 
Mm-hmm. Sorry, guys, I got a little bit distracted because like I was trying to uh, share the, the, the link that uh, Jose put on the channel with the LinkedIn people as well. That's why you probably saw flickering on our screen, the, the link and stuff. Because like, uh, just for people to know, like that we have people live on YouTube and LinkedIn at the same time. So we can see both. But you, if you are on YouTube, you cannot see LinkedIn. If you are link- LinkedIn, you cannot see YouTube. Mm-hmm. So you are just trying to share the links on both platforms. Yeah, uh, that's so, because someone asked what was you know if I could send a reference to what I mentioned before the the punctuated equilibrium model for team development, uh, Garrick's model I think it's called. So mm-hmm. I, yeah. Yeah. on both channels as well. So so people on both yeah. sides asked for that reference. So 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 Mesh, I, I missed. Uh, so I got distracted. So in this case, like I missed part of what you said, but like. Uh, what was that, for example, someone needs to make, let's say, let's take the architectural example, yeah? So someone needs to make those decisions, mainly architectural decisions that go, that, that are there are architectural slash design decisions that only impact a single team or let's say a single area or an area of the system where a single team operates. And there are certain architectural design decisions that will affect uh, across multiple areas of that system where multiple teams will be uh, impacted. So in cases like in both cases, so who makes those decisions, those agreements, let's say, and how team members can deal with that when they don't they feel they don't disagree and also should it be a democracy everyone has an equal voting or equal saying on, on those decisions Th- no, it should always story. be the manager is this our new it depends <laughs> no i think i think we uh, we we're moving away a little bit into getting everyone aligned in the same direction and, and that kind of stuff, right? Like, it, it, there, there is a subtlety there, right? Like, this is no longer... It's about maintaining coherence as well. No, there, there is an alignment, yeah. but, but this alignment needs to result in an agreement, right? There is agreement. I think what you're trying, uh, Sandro, what you're trying to... Correct me if I'm wrong, but you're trying to draw the distinction between agreements that are within a team and agreements that are across teams. And both bring challenges because, like, for example, within a team, you need to have certain design decisions. And mainly for developers, for example, this is a thing that we love to disagree in how to design or architect something. Yeah. And that gets even worse when you try to do that across teams. Because then you cannot have certainly every single developer of every single team involved in those much larger uh, architectural decisions. So, so, so basically the, the, the question here is like, who makes those agreements uh, and, and what happens when you disagree? And th- this is the point that I'm trying to make. So do you want the ideal world answer or the... I, or I the want the, yeah, the, the utopian. Uh, <laughs> In a utopian uh, thing, you at least agree on how the decision is going to be made. Yeah. Right. So, you, uh, so if you agree you know, that there's an architect and that architect is accountable and responsible for making the decision. They can consult, they can do whatever, but you agree that that's a system in which you're working and you will do what, you know, what comes out of that system. That's the, 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 in the scenario that I was actually presenting, well, the way that we did it was that there was, there were representation from each team 
who were selected from the team and the team had confidence in those the people. best debate uh, the best debate uh, <laughs> the, the no, debating no. champion the exactly, master, the the master champion. debaters but uh, <laughs> but and then uh, and then uh, of course we were there as as hired master I mean consultants <laughs> to to kind of help facilitate but facilitate also facilitate yeah, I, I was going to say mercenaries, but consultants uh, to help facilitate the the argument and also to provide some uh, some knowledge that may not exist because these teams had been there and in a lot of the times they would all been there for a very long time, and then there did need to be some external kind of knowledge and thinking to come in. The whole idea of coming up with these agreements came from from us externally, but also we kind of helped them understand the things that are important, the things that are happening, uh, that are causing the problem, the, the problems. They also had a very good ideas on other aspects. We brought those things together. We said, okay, how can we uh, create a few, not too many, because as soon as you have like a very long list and no one, no one does it. So let's create a few that will make the problem better. And we evolve as we go along. But, but yes, they were, this was a collaborative way of agreeing. It wasn't a democratic way in the sense that there was no voting. It was basically like we are going to start to first brainstorm and these are the things that we should be that are causing us problems. Out of that, let's extract whatever it is. Out of those, let's now talk about are there any concerns and disagreements? And then addressing those concerns and disagreements uh, to the point where <clears throat> no one has a concern or it's not strong enough for them to voice it. And so there was no kind of voting. There was no democratic aspect. It was well, collaborative. We, we hit them and uh, hit them enough times with the hammer so that they don't, they don't yeah, feel yeah, like they yeah. want to yeah. speak the anymore. Beating, <laughs> the thing was the beating continued until morale improved. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, the, the, the reason I brought this topic is because this is probably one of the most uh, difficult one uh, that I see, ma mainly for organizations that have like tens, if not hundreds of developers, right? So uh, I always have like, to, to be fair, I don't have like a, a, a perfect solution for that because we are still dealing with people with emotions and so on and so forth. And, and, and it's difficult also. For example, one thing I, I already said in previous uh, Fireside Chats, I, I don't think that those kind of uh, very high level strategic decisions should be made democratically. That what I mean by that is every person, regardless of their seniority level, experience in the company or experience with the technology or so on, has an equal vote. I, I'm against that. I don't think that that is a, is, a, is, a, is a smart way to define the strategy for a company. Yeah. So there is a reason that people specialize or evolve. There are different seniority levels, different expertise and stuff. And that needs to, to play a part in how decisions are made. You cannot run a company as if it was a government, yeah? So, so that is one side. Uh, but I like the collaborative approach. But the collaborative approach where everyone is consulted or... Uh, so this, this is, the, I believe that, correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding here is that when we talk about collaborative, it means people are consulted 
they are heard, they, they, they are asked their opinions, but that doesn't mean that uh, every opinion will count the same way. Because it, if we think about that, it will be impossible to make any decision anywhere or it will take forever. Right, so so this is where we need to. Uh, I think you referred to it, Mesh, and correct me if I misunderstood what you said. But like, first of all, we need to agree <laughs> or sometimes accept how decisions are made, mm -hmm. right? Because again, you, you cannot just let, let what I'm putting for some. Let's say I join an organization. Let's say I'm looking for a job. I join an organization as 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 a as a, as a junior. And all of a sudden I say, look, you know what? I don't, I don't agree with how decision is made in this company that is like 2,000 people company that has been around for 20 years. It doesn't work like that. So I might try to understand. So which means in this case, I need to, I can ask questions. I can try to understand how decisions are made. But I also need to understand that decisions are made in a certain way. And I, I need to understand what is my area of influence. And I think that a, a good way to, when you are in that position that is quite a weak position, for example, you don't join an organization as a junior and then all of a sudden tell the organization how they should change, right? So first of all, you need to know your place that you don't have all that experience. Um, so my, my first approach was always like, okay, uh, start asking questions. Ask questions why things are done in certain ways. What are, so instead of fighting for the practices, I think that goes back to what we were saying before. Don't fight, if you disagree with a practice, don't fight at that level first. Don't start fighting there. Try to understand why do we have that practice? What is the problem that you're trying to achieve with that ways of working or with that design decision. And then once you understand what you're trying to achieve, you might be in a better place to start proposing different approach as long as they go, they try to satisfy the same problems, right? So that's that's trying to bind. You know, you just, uh, th there's a couple of things there. Like, by the way, I, I understand the sentiment of what you're saying, but uh, and I agree with the with the sentiment. But there are certain things that you said that are kind of like okay, uh, I, I wouldn't put it like that. Yeah. Okay. So if you are someone that comes in new, of course you need to understand what context you're joining and all of that. If you really want to make good suggestions, that let's let's put it like this, right? If you want to suggest that things should change, yeah, you need to understand what's there in order to propose things that make sense, right? Like, otherwise, you're just giving advice that nobody, you know, you don't even understand what's happening, right? So I, I can get on board with that for sure. But one of the things like, you know, you're coming in as a junior or whatever, I, I see value in people's opinions independently of, you know, how much experience, because they come, you know, there, there are things that people outside of the system can see when they join, usually for a short period of time, because then they get assimilated, no? And that's a different perspective and you can take care of, of you know, mm -hmm. you, you can take advantage of that, right? So so that aspect, uh, I think it's it's important. Whether the organization enables that, even if the people don't have the experience or the, or the self-awareness, yeah, to say, maybe I don't know everything I need to know before I, uh, yeah, that that's a different story. And it, it brought to mind um, an example 
from a friend of mine. Uh, I think it's in uh, he's in Ocala uh, right now, and they do uh, they have a system for uh, you know uh, planning logistics and you know routes for deliveries and and that kind of stuff. So a lot of you know, traveling salesman program uh, problem, right, and and that kind of thing, right. And as part of the induction process, they ask people to come up with a better algorithm, right? So they, they basically say, listen, you're going to be working on this. But before we go in and tell you how it's done and then you complain about this is going to be this way or whatever, right? W take this time, yeah? I may be, uh, I, I don't know the details exactly how they organize this, but I, I, I think I'm, uh, I'm not lying on this, yeah? Um, take your time and try to come up with a better algorithm than what we're spitting out. Yeah. And then people try out their ideas and they, oh, this and that. And they convince themselves that whatever it is that they're doing, it comes from, you know, a lot of experience and trial and error and, you know, like overall, a lot of accumulated knowledge. Yeah. And improvements that have been made to the system. Yeah. And that if things work that way, it's because, you know, there is a reason for that to happen. And that's, I think, a very good way of taking advantage of both things, right? Because no, sure. but, but you may come up with something that we didn't think of, no? Sure, that, sure. Uh, but be... then it's just like one, for example, this is a very specific <laughs> example, but like when you join a new organization, you have a whole bunch of stuff that works in, in so there are multiple aspects of the business. Uh, or the code base, or the process, or decision-making, or the architecture, or everything that works in that way. You cannot do that example that you mentioned for every single thing that happens within an organization, at all levels of the organization. And for yeah. example, we have Kevin. Uh, Kevin was saying, I understand Sandra's opinion, but you need to take care about not taking the voice of the new people. So the, the thing that I was trying to say here, Kevin, is not that we are ignoring the, the opinion of new people. Maybe uh, I, 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 it's difficult for me to see how I came across, uh, but given Jose's reaction, it probably not well in Kevin. So what I was trying to say is that when you want to ch challenge the status quo, there are ways of doing that. Because for example, there are ways that are healthy for the person questioning the status quo and for the organization as a whole. Because for example, you need some sort of stability. You cannot, for every single new person that joins the organization, try to review everything that the organization does that this person might not agree. From a few small designs at the code until how the CEO of the company or the, the company strategy is done. So you see what I'm saying? So where is the boundary? So you cannot just go there and I'm a new guy. I want to question everything that this 100 years old, 5,000 people company has been doing because I think that should not be done this way. So, of course, I'm giving an extreme example to prove a point. So and you're also talking about scaling what uh, what the example that I gave, which is was not the point behind it. Yeah, it was just an example of how. You know, they turned something that they obviously have problems with because everyone who were, who came in, they all wanted to change the thing, right? Like, we, because you always think, you know, hey, we could do this, we could do that or whatever, right? So that was their way of dealing with that particular context, right? I'm not saying that that is what everyone should do uh, to to be able to do that. It's just one example, no, that, that I felt no, 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 takes I, care I of it. both things, right? Like, one is you need to understand well enough 
yeah and also you may have some good ideas that we can that, that we can work with so there you go but, 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 like, no i get it but like that would not scale this is what i was saying so so then what, yeah, what i was exactly. trying to say here is that uh there are ways that are healthier for the individual and for the organization and how you do that the first one is first of all when you join try to ask questions if there are things first of all wait a little bit to start challenging so Understand your environment. Be there for at least a couple of weeks, a month. Start speaking to people. So like, I want to learn. I'm a new person. Why do we do those kind of things? So I want you to collaborate with everyone. And then when there are things that you feel that could be done in a different way, before questioning how it's done, I would question, what are we trying to achieve So, so that we can elevate, instead of discussing the practice, instead of discussing TDD or that design or that decision-making process, we're sort of like, what are we trying to achieve when we, so what is the goal here when we are using those practices or the decision-making? So, so try to bring that conversation before even I raise my opinion, the discussion, so that I understand that those principles and values that you were talking about. I, I think what, what we are trying to say is, uh, effectively, we're talking about questioning, and what we mean by that is a disagreement, right? So you come in new to the place, and there are certain things that are being done you disagree with, and you're voicing your disagreements, right? I And I, I, I think, Sandra, what you were trying to say as well, probably, is that it is not wrong to voice your disagreements. In fact, you must. The thing is that your disagreements must be well-reasoned and well-thought-out, right? Now, this goes for everybody, whether you are new or old or how long you've been or where you, you know, that you, every time, I think you can boil this conversation down to, to this. Every time you disagree or you feel like disagreeing with something, ask yourself, is my disagreement well-reasoned? And when I make this disagreement, Am I making an opinion heard or am, do I have a well-reasoned argument behind it that I'm going to articulate and help them understand? So, so that when I actually raise my disagreement, I say, I think that this is not the right way for these particular reasons. And these may be the alternatives. And that's why they, they are better because of these. And, you know, there's, there's some sort of an analysis and, and reasoning behind the proposal or the disagreement that you are making. And, but uh, personally, I don't think whether you are new, junior, senior, whatever, these things stand. No, it right. actually could be one of the basic principles that, that we were talking about as part of your team. No, that, that, that's, that's fair. So, so uh, it's just like, for example, what I see is that there are sometimes there is a lot of uh, heated arguments and every person that comes in, they try to, to change things. So there is also an element of understanding the kind of, I think that we should always challenge. Like I spent, like we didn't get to where we are just being complacent or not asking questions or not challenging the status quo, right? So, so normally people that end up uh, over time acquiring more responsibilities or playing positions where they have more decision-making uh, power, they are people that are questioning and, and challenging and, and asking for more responsibility because that's what you end up doing as you go through those those process of cha challenging the status quo right so 
if, when you, we really make a change, not only challenging the status quo, but actually pulling responsibility to yourself and say, look, okay, I want to drive that change. So I don't want just to be an, uh, someone that is annoying, that just complaining or, or see what I mean? Like you want to fix something and that automatically you bring responsibility to yourself. Yeah. So, but there is an element of like, at some point, not everyone will agree. Uh, and, and, and there is an, a need to put a stop on that uh, position. That's the last resort. Like we try to do as collaborative as possible, as we discussed multiple times. But at some point, we need to understand what kind of accountability that different people have. Because I can advise, for example, when we work with our clients uh, or there is someone of a few levels above me, I say, look, I can advise but I cannot make the decision. I, I, for example, I will not be account directly accountable for certain things. So at some point, we also need to understand where, where our zone of influence ends. Yeah. So things that I'm accountable for, I'm going to fight hard. But I understand that there are things that are much bigger than me that I can try to influence and advise and hopefully provide a, a better alternative but that's still not my accountability, someone else's accountability, and someone who needs to put an end to that discussion if we cannot reach an agreement. You, you know, this this uh, part about accountability is quite important as well, because uh, if we... Part of the agreement is uh, being able to hold people accountable for it. Yeah, each other, right? Like, it's, if you're in the team, like, it's a team that holds each other accountable, no? no team members. But when uh, when you're doing something like that, sometimes it's even a, it's even more important again that agreement and that so the people get that accountability themselves uh, than just making the decision and just expecting and because then you go from individual accountability and responsibility into enforcing, right? Uh, which is kind of like an external thing to the, the no, you, you then go into someone needs to be policing that these things are happening. We need to put systems in place like, you know, code coverage checks and, you know, quality gateways and like make sure that this layer doesn't talk to this other layer or whatever. Right. Like the, the, all, all of that instrumentation. By the way, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but but there it, it's. Okay, if it's really serving a, pro a purpose, yeah, and not because you're lacking something somewhere else and, and you're trying to kind of get by, no, or trying to solve it without addressing the, the root cause for it, mm -hmm. right? Because people will find a way, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like the, they'll find a way to, to synchrobend whatever, the, right? Like the build times or whatever you, you, you put in place. So. We we are we are running out of time, but there is one thing. That, there's actually a lot of things that that can be discussed under here, but there is one thing: is how does the team enforce certain agreements when someone is, you know, out of whack, basically? Someone is not adhering to certain <laughs> principles, values. You lock so them on. in a room. You lock them in a room, and uh, you throw in the the, the whip. <laughs> well, I, I think one, one thing I want to say, and in fact, this is one something that, you know, when our craftspeople in training program used to, and I would give them a bit of a spiel in the beginning, 
I would always say this to them is that if someone is late to your meetings, it's your responsibility to tell them that they're late, right? And don't tell them, uh, you know, you can set them aside and say like, listen, this is our agreement. Here's our agreement. We respect each other. We come to our meeting and you are, you are not, if maybe you have certain problems uh, and let's, you know, let us know, we can change the time or uh, raise it explicitly within the, the, the team so that we can all address it together. But don't just turn up too late and pretend that it hasn't happened. Now, this kind of thing doesn't, like that's just an example, right? But this kind of thing often doesn't happen. And we kind of carry resentment, especially the Brits that we are, (laughs) carry resentment in our hearts. And I think, you know, that person about, this is an agreement, you know, like, should he know? Or we, you know, even more, more implicit agreements. But... I think there is an important thing that needs to be said here. If you don't talk about this topic uh, in the next few fireside chats, <laughs> is that it is the job of the team to enforce and protect the agreements that it has. Because if a violation of that agreement goes unanswered, that agreement is no longer an agreement. And this is it is as bad as that. And I think this is something very important for people to to go away with yeah the, the, the this is the problem because like i know that we are already like uh, uh four minutes past the hour um and i would love to continue this as well but this enforcement is also difficult for the team to do because sometimes let's say you have a team of seven or eight and there is one member of the team that for some reason they don't respect some of the agreements not all but some of the agreements some other team members might not feel comfortable to, to create that. that and, and not all the team members might feel the same way. This is another problem that you have because some people in the team might be okay with whatever that other person is doing. Others might not. And then there is that, that so how do they deal with that? They might not feel empowered. And some of those things that they might be so complicated that they, for example, they say, look, it's not my job to go and tell someone off. So, so. But, this but is, here, this is a but great, here, great episode, you know. This could be a very good episode. But this is, this is where leadership comes into play as well. Yeah. And by leadership, I don't mean only authority. Yeah. Although people in authority do hold power and therefore there's some leadership involved in that. Yeah. Um, uh, we can do a whole spiel on, <laughs> on leadership, right? But uh, but this is where leaders come into place because part of the there's there's a couple of things that you want to create. Yeah, you want to create an environment where people can hold each other accountable. So that's part of setting those expectations from the beginning. Hey, by the way, if this is not coming, anyone can say, hey, you know, Elmo, let's move on. Whatever, like you give the tools, right? And and you use them. Yeah. And you use them as well. Like the part of this is, you know, you need to set an example that this is okay. For instance, if you are doing things wrong and someone calls you out on that, you don't step on them. Right. That's that's the basic example of, of, uh, no, because you are setting the example. Your reaction there should be, oh shit, you're right. I didn't realize, or, you know, there's this thing, whatever you, you, you deal with it. Uh, the way that you would expect someone else to be able to to deal with it, yeah, as part of the team. So by making yourself vulnerable as well, no, and, and by showing that you respect the agreements independently of whatever status you have or whatever, uh, that is already reinforcing uh, that idea, yeah. 
then there is the encouragement to other people to do it, right? One example is there's a there's a very common systemic pattern which is shifting the burden where people, you know, they're kind of like not dealing with the problem. And one example of that is, you know, I uh, someone is not doing the tests or whatever, right? Uh, instead of telling them directly and addressing, you know, what getting to the root of the thing, no, I, I will come to my team lead or I will come to my manager and I'll complain about this person doing the test with the intention that, you know, I just did my part, right? I, I raised my hand, I said, hey, everything is good. Now you go and solve the problem for me, right? And completely remove your agency in this uh, in this matter, which is a big problem as well. So as a leader, when people come to you and say, hey, solve this problem for me, you need to be aware whether that is happening or not. And, you know, you need to, I'm not saying it's always the case, but one example would be, hey, did you already talk to him? about this what did you tell him what did he say what is the you know what is the issue what was the resolution did you try to resolve the problem on your own before yeah and then if there's enough base for me to step in or whatever then we uh, then we, maybe you can step in and, and have the conversation or, or help in some way right but this is a very common pattern as well that like people don't because it's uncomfortable yeah like you really need some uh you know, you need to make it a very safe, no, for people to feel like they have that power to to do those things, no, to call each other out when things are not working, and that's not going to damage the relationship. It's also very cultural, you know. Uh, you know, we've talked about this in other example episodes. No, people are more open or more whatever, right? Like that's very cultural as well. But you need to be aware of all those things as a leader. It is your job to create that space where people can uh, can have. The space to agree you know <laughs> to, 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 it's, it's funny uh, because uh, like uh i don't know uh, sorry if i'm mispronouncing the name i don't uh i normally say laura uh or, or laura as they say in english but like uh laura was saying that it's not easy uh what is it like uh, it's not easy when people not adhering to the agreed ways of working or being late are the one in management so, so this probably will open up a brand new kind of. Uh, no, but it, it's one example kind of, of, of emulating yeah. with example, no, and and what yeah. you can do to uh, uh, to reinforce or destroy, yeah, the that agreement or that uh, thing as a leader, right? Yeah. So, but anyway, I think that yeah, I think that many people like online now are saying to us like to be nice if you could like. Uh, <laughs> Have a finish, uh, finish on time, yeah. Like it, it would be, a game. be nice. Like, I'm still time. gonna get go to my dinner. <laughs> yeah, you know? A few <laughs> people, probably, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, so, so I think that they all recognize that this is a topic that can be easily extended into multiple directions, but probably we should uh, we should cut finish. this one and maybe uh, get different aspects of this one. Laura, Laura, the one that you raised is, is an interesting one when we sometimes look up and the problem is it's above, and that's a challenging. Uh, thing to do. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. okay. So should we have our final thoughts and uh, close? Yeah, we're on the ten mm-hmm. minute past ten mm-hmm. minutes mark. Um, okay. So final thoughts. Who wants to start, Matt? <laughs> okay, I can. I can start. Um, sorry, I'm getting a bit of an echo. But yeah. um, so my final thought is that it's, as I said at the very beginning, it's astonishing how late in my career I kind of started thinking how important team agreements are. 
So if you haven't heard of it, if you haven't done it, if your team doesn't have these explicit team agreements, I think first thing to do is get those in. Uh, XP practices, uh, principles, values are a good place to start. Craftsmanship and so on has also provides a good mindset around these things and helps you inform this stuff. And there are many other things as well. You know, create a baseline and get started uh, uh, sooner rather than later. That's my my final thought, I'd say. Uh, similar along the same lines. Uh, so I, I believe that anyone could trigger that um, unless that you are in a very unhealthy environment. I believe that most, most environments that we see uh, for example, if you have, if you feel that something is not working so well, uh, my advice would be don't just come in criticizing the current ways of working or practices or stuff. Try to say, look, uh, I feel that there are certain things that could be better. I would like to understand uh, what are we trying to achieve here? So if you start creating a, a, a higher baseline, moving towards values, Principles are probably more uh, concrete, let's say. Uh, so if you start in there, you will end up putting people on the same side, right? If you go to a practice and criticize the practice directly, you create a, a conflict straight away. But if you try to baseline one degree above, that is in the principle, say, look, are, do we value, like just to confirm here, do we value a quick feedback loop? as Mesh described earlier on. Is it what we are trying to achieve with those set of practices? Just trying to make sure that I understand. Great, so if we agree doing there, then you can say, look, I have a different proposal to achieve the same thing that might solve some of the problems that I see. So you will start the discussion in a far more constructive way because you are not just creating a conflict between two things. You are now moving the discussion, first of all, creating that agreement at the top making sure that everyone, before you even start proposing things, are trying to achieve the same thing. You have the same understanding, you have the same common goal. And then we say, look, given what we are doing on the ground and what we would like to adhere to in terms of principles and values, I feel that maybe we could explore these other ways of doing things because I see some inefficiencies in the way that we are doing X, Y, Z. I think that this is a much healthier way of, of trying to drive those things and having uh, those conversations would be easier if you do this way, regardless of how new, how old, how experienced or not you are in, 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 in the organization. I second all the stuff that was mentioned before. I would just say that try to... Uh, hold yourself and others accountable to whatever agreements uh, you decide. And if you need to change them because they're no longer valid or whatever, do that. But that is better than just having some web paper. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's a, it doesn't really help you at all. Just doing the the dance, no? just cargo culting in a way, right? So that's that's a skill. Yeah, it's not. Sometimes it's difficult to have certain conversations. If you want to know more about that, we have an episode on difficult conversations as well. So if you want to check it out, but uh, but it's a it's something that you get uh, more used to do if you practice it. So start practicing it, and uh, I think 
you become if you if you are already great but if not this will be something that your team will definitely value no it will make them better so that's a skill to to build and uh this is all for today yeah if you this is the first time uh, that you're here remember to subscribe hit the notification button if you like the topic or whatever share it on social uh, networks that kind of stuff get the word out uh, we thank you all for the participation it's really cool to see that this is a topic that people are interested in and you know you, you have really good questions as well that helps us explore the topic uh, even further beyond what we initially thought even uh, so keep contributing and uh, see you again next Tuesday thank you everyone Thanks, everyone